Welcome to Purpose Inc., the podcast where we discuss corporate purpose and stakeholder capitalism. I'm your host, Michael Young. It's safe to say that much of corporate America has been setting goals and outmaking promises about everything from climate change and net zero, social justice, pay equity, and better governance. And this is all a good thing. But the central issue within corporate sustainability and ESG broadly centers around not only the goals, but the measurement of those goals and progress toward those goals. And then from there, progress is underpinned with a combination of transparency and accountability and ultimately incentives. Capitalism is nothing if not a system of measurements and incentives. But how do you get alignment from the top down and the bottom up within the business? How do you hold leadership and management accountable for achieving diversity, equity, and inclusion goals, Uh, not just promises and PowerPoints, but actual racial and gender, gender equity and parity across the business? And how do you ensure transparency and accountability within reporting? And what role does sustainability play, not just to investor and shareholder interests and audiences, but how does the brand show up for the consumer in a sustainable way? And how do those how does that come through to the end consumer? Um, And what role does sustainability play in driving corporate innovation and and the future of the business? Here to talk about these topics in specific, vast, and inspiring detail is Caitlin Liebert, the Director of Sustainability for Chipotle. And Caitlin takes us on a journey across every aspect of Chipotle's sustainability and ESG mission and practice, which they frame around food and animals, people, and the environment. And it's a journey from the company's founding, and Chipotle's been, has had sustainability and authenticity at its core from day one. And she takes us from the farm, to the boardroom, to the kitchen, to the customer experience. We talk about DEI and pay equity. We talk about farming uh, sustainably, Uh, and innovation. Caitlin takes us uh, through Chipotle's waste reduction and diversion strategies, where they measure every fork and plate and scrap of lettuce. Uh, Hashtag dumpster diving. Turns out uh, you've got to get your hands dirty if you want to get real about waste reduction. That was a super fun part of the conversation. So this is a very interesting, compelling story from a brand which I love, truly love, and adore and eat very often uh, that connects what, what's great about this, this story is this is a company that really connects what they say in sustainability and ESG and DEI with what they actually do. So without further ado, my conversation with Caitlin Liebert of Chipotle. Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Well, I am looking to a fantastic and delicious conversation about <laughs> your Chipotle sustainability practices. And, and maybe for our listeners um, who may be unaware of 
how Chipotle thinks about sustainability. Maybe you could kind of give us the big picture of the thinking and the approach there, how you frame it, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So sustainability is a very broad topic, as you know. Um, And at Chipotle, we look at it in three key material areas. So that's food and animals, people, and the environment. So those are the three buckets, if you will, that we look at sustainability and ESG. Within those, of course, there are hundreds of different individual topics that, that we approach, but those are the three ways that, that we really organize sustainability or ESG at Chipotle. Hmm. And maybe um, if you could for us, um, you know, that's sort of the your lens on the triple bottom line there, right? So how, talk first about food and animals and what goes into that and what 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 do you what are you measuring? What do you look at? What goals do you have there? And then just let's get into people and environment. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, Chipotle as a restaurant company ha- has had this really storied supply chain. You know, I think it's really what differentiates us. Um, this concept of food with integrity has been with our brand from almost the beginning, um, with our founder Steve Els. Uh, really honing in early on on the difference that sustainably raised pork made to the experience for the customer, the flavor, the quality. Um, and from there, from that experience with, uh, you know, Paul Willis and the team at Nyman Ranch, um, the concept of food with integrity was born. And here we are, flash forward uh, from 1993 all the way here today. Um, and the way that we look at food and animals um, remains industry leading. Uh, we have a award-winning animal welfare program, super proud of, of that program. Um, and we purchase more organic and local ingredients than really anyone else in the space. Um, certainly unique for a restaurant company of our size to be able to purchase so much food locally. Um, we purchased over 31 million pounds um, of local produce last year. That's an investment of over 23.3 million into local food systems. So this is really tangible, meaningful support of uh, local and organic and transitional ingredients. Um, and you know, all of that is in the framework um, that we really need to emphasize uh, the next generation of farmers and ensure that we have a next generation of farmers. Um, so a lot of the work that we're doing around food and animals is is contextualized around the support that we're giving uh, to young farmers. We've committed $5 million over the next five years. And for those of you who may be sort of scratching your head as to why Chipotle is trying to invest in young farmers, um, this is a real challenge we have in, in America right now. Uh, the average age of the farmer is over 60 years old. Uh, farmers are aging out of the career uh, at a more rapid pace than going into it. Uh, farming as it stands today is on average not profitable at all. Um, and that's a problem. We we really are working to support the system um, in which our food and animals program works. Um, we like to say that if you eat, you should be worried about this challenge. Uh, so for us, our goals and our metrics um, are important, but also the context in which they sit um, is equally as important. So you'll see commitments and goals, not just around organic, local, you know, animal welfare metrics, but also around the system in which all that operates. 
Mm, that's a really good point about the the ultimate system, which is farming, that enables us all to eat every day. Um, I'd like to hear a little bit um, about uh, people, racial and gender pay equity in particular. That's an area of of some interest, and maybe. Um, you know, as, as you as you talk about that, talk about the goals. What are the baselines? Where are you coming from? And what are you aligning with, both internally and externally? And uh, whether you've looked at any of the external frameworks, SASB, GRI, things like that. Uh, but I did note in all of your ESG and sustainability, you have tied executive compensation to that. So if you could. Yeah hit on DEI and let's talk about how you think about that. But I really want to jump then to, um, uh, you know, executive comp and how yeah. that, how that works. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Chipotle has uh, four key values that we look at. And one of them is authenticity lives here. And that has been um, a major part of our culture. Uh, DE&I um, is a huge component. We want people to show up as they are, feel comfortable as they are. You know, we have almost 100,000 employees um, across the world now, mainly in uh, the United States. Um and that is a very diverse group of individuals. Um, and it's really important that starting with our employees, we foster a culture that is inclusive and diverse. We also know that diverse and inclusive and equitable cultures uh, perform better. So it's a business advantage in addition to fundamentally being the right thing to do. Um, so it's ultimately a no-brainer. It's the right thing to invest in. Um, we have really stepped it up in the last, uh, you know, over a year, year and a half um, since, um, uh, you know, the, the incidences with George Floyd um, really committed. Uh, we pledged a million dollars to fight uh, systemic racism uh, in the U.S. Our CEO um, is very passionate about this topic. We've had a variety of town halls. Um, we try and make sure that every employee um, feels uh, welcomed as they are. And we have systems in place uh, to make sure that if for some reason that isn't happening, uh, we are um, aware of it and working to to mitigate that immediately. Um, so we've come a long way, I think, as a society and a culture, still a long way to go. Um, we're committed to to fighting systemic racism, both within our organization and outside of it. Um, and thrilled to see it get its spotlight. I think that it really needs and deserves thrilled to be, you know, thrilled to see it across the industry. Um, you know, many companies are, are stepping up. Um, we're proud that it's been in our, our, um, culture, um, and we'll continue to, to receive that highlight, um, which actually transitions nicely to the second part of, of your question, which is that's all great and very important, but, how are we holding ourselves accountable for that? And, and that second piece is super important. Um, it's not just important in DE and I, it's important with anything that we say is important to us, right? So if we're out there preaching as a company that says it has a mission to cultivate a better world, um, accountability is really important. And transparency is a super important component of any sustainability or ESG program worth its salt. Any sort of mission-based or purpose-based company ought to have some sort of 
link to executive compensation that ties these metrics and goals. And so that's just what we did um, earlier this year. We announced a link um, to these three material areas, food and animals, people, and environment. And specifically in DE&I, um, we linked gender and racial pay equity, uh, which is super meaningful and important. Not one, not the other. We have gender and racial pay equity. We also have uh, metrics in, uh, as I mentioned, food and animals and environment. So I think what's unique about ours is it's not just in one area. It's in these three most material areas to our business. Um, and a note on the gender and racial pay equity in particular is that um, we hire a third party. We hired a third party, I should say, um, you know, over a year ago now to check in on us to, to tell us, are we equitable in gender and racial pay? And it turns out that we were, which is great. So that goal is to maintain it. We feel like we are already, we were already in a really good spot. That's not good enough. We can't just say we've achieved it. Just like culture, it's, it's, it has to be intentional. So uh, really proud of, of linking our, our executive compensation. That's 10% of our officer's bonus um, to things like our climate goals, racial and gender pay equity and maintaining that, as I mentioned, and then uh, linking organic, local, and regenerative agriculture, increasing the pounds that we purchase year over year. Those are the areas that we've linked to executive compensation. And if you couldn't tell from the tone of my voice, I could not be more thrilled about that. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell. I can tell. And that's really great. And and just the reading I do, I, from what I understand, 10 or 11% of companies only have taken that step. So that is really, really industry leading and bold. And it's great to hear you talk about that. Um, and, and, and maybe, um, just kind of deepen that a, a little bit. And if you could talk about the board and, and how the board has acted as, uh, in, in, in a role of leadership and oversight for management there and connecting goals and metrics and transparency and accountability. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, Chipotle, again, th this idea of sustainability, food with integrity, um, you know, a purpose-based organization, these are part, this is part of Chipotle's DNA. And um, it's pretty unique for a publicly traded company uh, to have such trust from its stakeholders and shareholders in the the in the sense that what we're doing is working. And so we have had major support from our board and shareholders um, to continue down this path path of purpose-based business. Um, you know, I think that that is an incredibly lucky, um, but also intentional and something we've worked hard at. So to the extent that the board uh, formally oversees ESG, they do now, which is great. Um, and, you know, every quarter providing updates on progress. Um, but regardless of the formality of it, which was put into place in the last year, um, we've always given updates. It's always something that the board has been really interested in. Um, that being said, without that link on paper, I think... Um, it's hard to see from an outsider that there was board oversight. I think it, it can sound like um, just 
uh, talk. If we say, yes, of course the board, you know, has oversight is entrusted. So we did take the steps to formalize that, um, in Q4 of last year. And again, very happy with that. These are sort of, um, you know, important oversight steps, uh, that you can take to ensure that you have an industry leading ESG and sustainability program. So between executive compensation and board oversight, uh, we've really set ourselves up to put our money where our mouths are, to put the accountability and the governance, uh, where our mouths are. Um, we have that framework of accountability, transparency, and compensation and or incentives in the right place to ensure not just you don't just have to take our word for it. We're, these actions show that it's really ingrained in our culture, and we would be in trouble if we didn't continue down that path. And I think that that's a very important distinction. Yeah, that's great. And and then maybe to pivot to another audience, another stakeholder group, um, unpack for us how you've connected sustainability to the consumer brand experience. And, and I think, you know, I, as a consumer of your product and an avid consumer, I might add, um, I can see it. So I've heard you talk about building systems within your organization that'll, that give us the consumer, the ability to make better choices. And something I heard you say that, we not don't allow the consumer to fail in making yeah. good, better, best choices around impact and waste reduction. And so talk about that, that whole dimension to you, to sustainability at Chipotle. Yeah, it's an important distinction, and I'm thrilled that you picked up on it. It's something we work very hard on. Um, we do it through a thousand nuances and also very directly. So and everything in between, um, we believe in accountability. And again, our previous, what we had talked about previous, previously, board oversight, executive compensation, hopefully it's clear we believe in accountability, but we wanted to go one step further. And I think um, th this, uh, our real food print uh, tool, which uh, if you're not familiar with, uh, when you order online or any digital order, you'll get kickbacked five um, impact, sustainability impact metrics um, that compare the ingredients in your order, your specific order to industry average and or conventional ingredients. And the reason why that's important is again, we're showing the accountability. If we're, if we believe there's a better way to source food, if we're marketing um, how our sourcing is different, then we need to be showing you with every individual order ingredient specific transparency into how much better um, each of those ingredients are. And this is really the first time something like this has ever been done. Um, I certainly encourage any listeners to give it a try if you haven't already, if you're not aware. These are metrics like uh, water saved, carbon sequestered, um, you know, antibiotics avoided for those of you who are ordering meat. Um, these are important metrics that show um, how the choices that we make as a company um, matter. And ultimately, the choices that you make as a consumer matter as well. And, and this gets to that second point, which is um, how do you allow your customer not to fail? 
And I think this is really important. We see this a lot with the carbon discussion. And there's a reason why we went with this concept of real food print beyond simply a carbon number. If you're interested in the carbon impact of your food, I applaud you. We all should be. And we transparently show you what that is. Uh, we have it published in our sustainability report per ingredient. Um, we want you to, to have the tools that you want. But I, 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 I think stopping there is not enough. I, I think simply showing that certain ingredients have more carbon than others is not an effective tool. In fact, it just puts that responsibility on the consumer to make the right choice. What accountability do we have as a company before we even get to the point of you ordering? What if simply by the the way that we source, so simply by you walking into a Chipotle, you're making a more sustainable choice because of the choices that we've made as a company. And I think that that's a really important dis distinction. Um, it's not simply enough to um, hope a customer makes a better choice by giving them information. It has to be paired with with actions and accountability from the organization to set that customer up for success. So for us, that's how we think about these things differently. We believe in companies having accountability. Um, and the proof is really in your order. When you order, you'll, you can see exactly how much better we're doing as compared to average. And the reason why that's important is as the industry, we hope, continues to improve, this score that you see, these metrics that you see are tracking against that average. So it means we need to, in turn, as the average improves, we need to improve too. And if we aren't sourcing better than average or conventional, then we're in trouble because each one of those metrics would read zero, right? Um, and so that for us is a huge accountability tool. Um, yes, it's, it's marketing. It's um, exciting for people to look at and see, but, but really know that that's also a massive industry first accountability tool that is showing people that, that what Chipotle is doing, um, uh, that is better than average, that just by ordering at Chipotle, uh, there is proof in every individual order, um, uh, that, that we are holding ourselves to a higher standard. Yeah, and I, I love the the systems approach that you take to all of this, yeah. right? That it's 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 really a holistic system wide view of how the organization shows up for the consumer ahead of time, right. which is really cool. Um, and maybe just touch on waste reduction and diversion and how that's working and your approach there, because obviously that's a part of sustainability. Yeah, definitely. It's a big part of sustainability. Um, and it's an often missed part of sustainability, oddly enough. And I think it's probably, you know, trash doesn't sound like a super sexy component of sustainability when you have fun things like climate and sustainable agriculture and regenerative ag um, that tend to get a little bit more of uh, the glossy cover. But let me tell you, <laughs> waste is a huge part of any sustainability program for a restaurant company, or it ought to be, I should say. It's a very material issue. Um, 
not just uh, in terms of landfill waste, which we'll get into, but landfills are a driver of greenhouse gas emissions. And that's often missed. So there's a link, not just in reducing landfill waste, but also to how that landfill waste impacts our climate. So waste is a climate issue. Um, and that is not always uh, clear to the average consumer. Um, Chipotle in 2015, we set one of our first long-term goals as a company, um, and it was uh, by the end of 2020, diverting half of all the waste that we produce from the landfills. So what does diversion mean? What does a 50% diversion goal mean? That means keeping half of all the waste that we produce out of the landfills and into more sustainable disposable methods, such as compost, recycling, waste to energy, food donation, equipment donation, these types of programs. So it was a massive undertaking. I think our baseline was 38%. Um, so it wasn't a given. We already were industry leaving it, leading at roughly 38%. Um, and I think that that's an important distinction for us. We try and um, not rely on status quo. Um, you know, I think that there are a lot of inherent boundaries to the, the waste system in the U.S., and we had to get really creative. And one of the first things we did was, okay, look, let's not trust what people are telling us can and can't be done. Let's learn for, our, learn for ourselves. And, and just like any other sustainability program, or frankly, any program in general, you want it rooted in data, right? You want to make sure that what you're doing is tied back to tangible data um, so that you can be sure that what you're working on is material um, and strategic. So that meant literally getting into a dumpster, uh, much to my team's dismay, although they don't ever complain about it, much to their credit. Um, so at least once a year, we get into the dumpster, we sort the waste at our restaurants, at a handful of restaurants, um, and what that has allowed us to do over the years is build something called a waste matrix. So we're literally hand sorting down to the individual utensil, straw, cup lid, uh, lettuce scrap into these very meticulous piles. It takes a couple of hours. Um, and believe it or not, we do have a good time. Um, and we then weigh and measure that. We compare that to the restaurant's average daily transactions or sales, um, and we're able to build down to the fork the projected waste of that restaurant. And the reason why this works for us is we have a very consistent menu because we're 100% corporately owned. We don't have you know specials in certain restaurants and not in others. Um, we have a all the same packaging. These are things that really matter. Uh, that consistency. And so that has allowed us to really dial in and predict down to the fork how much waste a restaurant should have, which in turn allowed us to um, evaluate the effectiveness of every waste program. Are they, do they have the appropriate service levels? Is something fishy going on? Uh, we found many stores. I mean, I'm talking about probably 100 stores where for years we had been um, paying for another restaurant or another company in our in the same you know mall to dispose of their waste as well, just because we didn't know the data, right? We weren't aware. And let me tell you, this happens all the time, right? So um, these are the things that really helped us hone in. We rooted it in data. 
we found easy wins, right? We, we saw that cardboard made up roughly half of our waste. So that tells us that recycling needs to be a major strategic initiative for us. We need to make sure we have cardboard recycling everywhere because that alone can help us achieve our goals. Um, we also found something interesting, and this is an eye towards innovation, which I'm sure we'll get into because um, I know that you know we use innovation a lot. Um, we noticed that uh, film plastic, gloves, bags, these that type of material made up roughly 9% of our waste. And this is something that wasn't accepted in the common recycling stream. We were told it just has to go to the landfill, period, end of conversation, by every hauler that we, we spoke with. And the reason why is our recycling facilities in the U.S. are built to capture plastic bottles. Um, and film plastic clogs up those machines. Um, and so it's just not accepted. It's seen as a contaminant and it's sent to the landfill. And that didn't sit well with us, right? We thought, okay, but that's almost 10% of our waste. There, there has to be a better way. And that's where we took a nod from the circular economy. Um, and uh, we invented this, this program called Gloves to Bags, uh, which is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, we found that we... Listen, we use a lot of plastic gloves. Food safety is a top priority. Um, and there was no place for those gloves to go but the landfill. And so for us, in fact, 95% of all plastic gloves end up in the landfill. So we looked at the material that our gloves were made off of. We found that our waste bags were made of the same material. We approached the company uh, that creates those waste bags for us and said, hey, if we could get you this material back, could you recycle it, repelletize it, and, and put it in the bags? And sure enough, they were open to that. So um, that was two and a half years ago. We've expanded the pilot to four markets um, and a really innovative program that has shrunk that film plastic from 9% down to 4% um, at our last, last audit. So we're thrilled with the progress there. It takes a combination of big like common things like recycling cardboard down to more innovative things. Uh, once you've cleared out those low hanging fruits, like cardboard recycling, uh, you got to get creative and you have to navigate around the, the barriers that exist. I love it. And you have to get hands on. And I've, I've just like amazing story of dumpster diving. I it, just, it's, it's incredible. Great. It's so awesome <laughs> to hear you talk about that. Yeah. Well, and, and just maybe uh, because we're, we're coming up on time. So in the last five minutes here, kind of dig into some other aspects of innovation, whether that's agricultural, whether that's product innovation, technology. I love the food print app, by the way. It's, it's that, right. that to me is innovation. What other things are in the Chipotle sustainability innovation portfolio that our listeners may or may not know about? Yeah, I'll hit on a couple things. Um, the first thing is menu innovation. You know, Chipotle has a re really, really unique supply chain. You heard me talk about that a little bit earlier. Um, the fact that we can be a multi-billion dollar publicly traded company and still support small local farmers is pretty unique and do so with industry leading food safety. There's also this side of our supply chain that maybe people don't know, uh, which is that we only have 54 ingredients in our entire supply chain. Let me break that down for you. Um, that is unheard of. It, it's, in many places, it, an individual menu item, like a hamburger or 
uh, salad elsewhere could have 54 ingredients in it alone. Um, so the fact that our entire our entire supply chain is 54 ingredients um, is pretty unique. And that is uh, intentional. It allows us to really deep dive into each ingredient and make sure that each one of those 54 ingredients is as sustainable as possible. Because what is most sustainable for cilantro grown in Salinas, California or Yuma, Arizona is not what's most sustainable for um, hogs in Iowa grown by diamond, raised by diamond ranch, right? So the meaning uh, organic might be the right approach uh, for, for uh, cilantro naturally raised free range might be the right approach, uh, for, for those hogs in Iowa. Right. So there, there is not a one size fits all. So that's great. What is challenging is when it comes to menu innovation, um, we get a lot of questions about plant-based protein and whether or not we will continue to expand it or have it. And I like to say, hey, we were actually one of the first to have a plant-based protein with Sofritas. I believe it was in 2013 uh, we launched nationally um, this incredible organic braised tofu called Sofritas, which has a cult following at Chipotle, and I can understand why. It's delicious. So yes, we are well ahead of the plant-based game. We introduced cauliflower rice this year. We're continuing to innovate on that front. But we also, if you uh, maybe saw or didn't see, announced uh, that we are going to pilot another plant-based protein this year. And why, why are we, um, why have we not just come out with one of the common brand name plant-based proteins that you see slapped on almost every menu? Well, simply put, they don't meet our high quality standards. Um, they're incredibly processed. They're, um, you know, they, they just aren't aligning with um, our food with integrity standards. And so we're having to innovate from scratch uh, what plant-based uh, proteins look like at Chipotle? What does a meat alternative look like for Chipotle, who has a very limited um, supply chain by design? We don't want to introduce 15 new ingredients that are made in a lab somewhere. We want this grown and raised to our standards. So we're using a lot of innovation. We have an incredible culinary team, an incredible menu development team um, on our brand marketing side. Um, they're working hand in hand with us and our team to develop this incredible um, next thing, right? So we use innovation everywhere, um, not just in waste, which we talked about, not just on our menu, um, not just for consumers with food print. And then finally, I'll note, um, we I hit out on a little bit with the farmer component of this, but uh, there's a system that is broken, and that is the, the farming system in the U.S., and we have got to get creative with how we approach that. So uh, three years ago, we, we launched something called the Illuminaries Project, which is a fresh take from our Cultivate Foundation on philanthropy. We've really pivoted from you know, a check cutting model where it's a dollar for dollar giving, and we're looking to use our money more like a springboard um, in terms of philanthropy, how can a dollar invested result in many dollars um, of impact? And that's where we created this Illuminaries Project. It's an eight-month accelerator program um, with a different theme every year. 
Last year, we looked at how we can remove the key barriers for young farmers. Um, This year, we're looking at how can we build back a more sustainable, equitable, and efficient supply chain. I think COVID really peeled back the layers and opened up some of the fractures in our supply chain and our food system. And this is about America as a whole, right? This isn't about Chipotle specific. This is a purely philanthropic program, which is really unique and cool. Um, And again, we want to improve the context um, in which we all are operating in. So that's one way we also look for innovation. I'm really excited. We just announced that. Um, Actually, Jason Mraz, this is a fun fact about Chipotle. Jason Mraz is actually one of our avocado suppliers. Um, He has a wonderful farm in Oceanside, California, um, and he's coming on as a mentor for the program. I'm thrilled to announce um, in a couple of weeks, we'll be announcing who the eight ventures are that we are supporting. There's going to be some really great ag tech um, and innovation that we look at there. So another way in which Chipotle looks to innovation to, to help drive results. That's fantastic, Caitlin. I cannot thank you enough for an inspiring, thought-provoking, and deliciously explained <laughs> survey of Chipotle's sustainability efforts, which are vast and and really industry leading. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. The Purposing Podcast is a production of Actual Agency, helping innovators communicate in a changing world. More at www.actual.agency.com.